At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. We are dead! We are all dead! We were supposed to make the world a better place. What happened? I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore! I know Kung Fu. You either die a hero, or you live long enough to see yourself become a villain. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore! This whole thing is insane! This whole thing is insane! 300 years ago, you'd have been burned at the stake. What do all men of power want? More power. This is now the United States of Zombieland. This whole thing is insane! Man is even capable of nothing but destruction! Everybody is stuck with the things that they're not proud of. More power. Welcome to the desert of the real. More power. There can be only one. Are you a God-fearing man, Senator? You're such a strange phrase. I've always thought of God as a teacher, as a bringer of light, wisdom, and understanding. You see, I think what you really are afraid of is me. Happy hair season. Welcome to the desert of the real. Heresy shouldn't be this much fun, but it just is. It just is. And it's certainly real horror show, as Alex said in A Clockwork Orange. When you get the audio version of AB Live, this one episode 48. Ron censored and unfiltered. Just like the truth you've been looking for across all your existences. Supercharged by stellar audience participation. We were joined by Nicole Bradford, CEO and founder of the Willow Group and the executive director and co-founder of the Transformative Technology Lab. She discussed the intersection of tech and health, transformative technology, and where human consciousness is evolving in these sometimes overwhelming digital times. And she shared some helpful insights on meditation and much more. And apologies for a few tech burps at the beginning. You might say this was a meeting of Aeon Bite and Finding Hermes. And that many of the themes are relevant to Gnostic philosophy as we hit Phil Dickian issues. 
But you could also argue this was a different type of show. Why not? Variety is the spice of gnosis. Life begins when your comfort zone ends. And the opposite of life is not death, but habit. And whatever aphorism you want to use, but as you know, I've been stretching the boundaries of this heretical venture since the veils were lifted and that wickedness in high places showed its cards early last year. In the end, I think you'll find value and know Yaldi Baldi finds value in weaponizing tech against you. So you better be ready at all times. I'm so blessed by those of you who support this red pill cafeteria. I'm honored by your company, and the show keeps growing thanks to you. In a few days, I'll have a more standard podcast for ya, as we discuss the Pythagorean order of death and Neosethianism, as well as other topics with a very cool guest. Don't go anywhere except within to cultivate your divine spark. We need Gnosis more than ever, needless to say. You won't find this high-quality Gnostic and Hermetic wisdom, or guess and their unique insights anywhere else in cyberspace or even meat space. But enough of my short drivel. Led us to our latest AB Live with Nicole Bradford. But hey, David, what's your take on all this tech and internet and stuff? Will it liberate us, or is it just another stage in the game of Saturn and our stellar overlords, keeping us forever a lost Major Tom with their galactic viruses? I don't think we've even seen the tip of the iceberg. I think the potential of what the internet is going to do to society, both good and bad, is unimaginable. I think we're actually on the cusp of something exhilarating and terrifying. It's just a tool though, isn't it? No, it's not. No. No, it's an alien life form. What do you think, I mean, when you think then about the it's their life on Mars <laughs> yes it's just landed here but that's it's a simply a different delivery system there you're arguing about something more profound oh yeah I'm talking about the, the the actual context and the state of content is going to be so different to anything that we can really envisage at the moment where the interplay between the user and the provider will be so in simpatico it's going to it's going to crush our ideas of what mediums are all about uh, but it's happening in every form. It's happening in visual art. The breakthroughs at the early part of the century with people like Duchamp, who were so prescient in what they were doing and putting down. The idea that the piece of work is not finished until the audience come to it and add their own interpretation. And what the piece of art is about is the grey space in the middle. That grey space in the middle is what the 21st century is going to be like. Welcome everybody to AB Live. So good that everyone is here and everybody is arriving to the chat room. 
And for those of you here, that we have a very special show, as one of the themes of the show is always trying to understand the intersection of the mind and technology, the realms of Hermes, as I like to say, because the god of innovation, but also the god of intellect and reasoning. And we need to understand Hermes more than ever these days as we become... Uh, overwhelmed, fragmented, and somewhat lost in these digital domains. And uh, very excited that our guest tonight knows about these subjects and so much more. And that is Nicole Bradford. Nicole, thank you very much for coming on the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Pleasure's all ours. And with us too, we have the Moondog Vance. Vance, how are you doing tonight? Oh, holding this space of fun and deeply weird. <laughs> That's all the best you can do. Uh, and wonderful. And for those of you who are showing up at the chat, I'm sure you know the drill. If you have questions for Nicole, please write down in lots of uh, question marks or caps. Those of you who do super chats, you will get moved up the ladder and as always uh this will be available we are live now but it will be available on youtube right after and in a few days i will put in all our streaming podcast channels itunes iHeartRadio, spotify and all that good stuff so no no surprises uh for this ab live and uh, again seeing the chat room starting to uh fill up so it should be an exciting time so so nicole how did you become interested in these subjects of uh technology uh, and the mind i mean i think watching your videos uh, i loved them i love your work and i was so excited you were a uh, executive for blizzard weren't you i mean yes you think i am you know starcraft i kept going uh, i am team kerrigan queen of blades all around <laughs> one of my favorite like anti-heroes of all times right right and, uh go on no no i was gonna say uh you how did you go into blizzard or have you always been interested in this sort of intersection of technology and health mm -hmm. Well, I mean, basically what happened is that I was in video games and I loved video games and I, um, did we lose Nicole? Oh. No, oh my God, I've lost Vance. Can anybody hear me? Can you hear me? I can't hear you, Vance. Well, if I took myself off mute, you could. Yeah. <laughs> but oh no, we lost. Hopefully, oh, no. she'll jump back. Those archons strike at every moment. They're relentless, very much like uh, Robert Bonomo. So, device not connected. Let's see if we can get her back. Uh, she's gone. Hopefully, she'll jump back in Somebody a second. In the world of Warcraft shot her out. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I used to play a lot of StarCraft, I played the original Warcraft. But I never played World of Warcraft. My son from a previous marriage, he was very much into it. So, um, hello, hello, there you're you are. back. Okay, I lost you. <laughs> yeah, so, um, I got into video games because I saw it as the next evolution in human storytelling, and so I had a really positive association with video games and with technology. And then, um, when I was in 
China, I had a break between assignments as I was moving from one, you know, one role to the next. And so in that break, I went on a meditation retreat and had a really powerful experience. I had a profound experience and that got me really excited and interested in psychology and neuroscience and the human mind. And because I had such a positive association with tech, um, I thought it would be natural um, that you would combine um, technology and supporting the human mind. And you, you said, uh, as you've uh, spoken about, it, this was, you were in a meditation retreat. What was this experience like? I mean, uh, yeah, was I was a, on a, overwhelming and insight. I mean, mm-hmm. what were some of the revelations you got? I was um, in a Vipassana meditation retreat. And, um, you know, I, I think one of the reasons why it was so profound for me is I was, you know, very, I was very heady before. I'm an Enneagram 7, um, so super heady. And, you know, Vipassana is a uh, kinesthetic um, technique. You take the mind through the body. And so I think that really just, you know, being forced to spend 10 days in my body uh, really had a big balancing effect. And so by the last three days of that retreat, I was you know, basically, you know, feeling, you know, connection and love and happiness and and basically sort of like the universe (laughs) inside my body. And on the other side of that, um, I was like, I want everybody to have this. And, um, and then because I had such a positive association with tech, I thought it's natural for these things to be combined. And then after that, I moved to the United States and uh, moved to San Francisco, which is sort of where you go for the intersection of tech and consciousness, and co-founded the Transformative Technology Lab. Um, that was seven years ago. We just had our, our seventh conference. Um, and um, the last one in, you know, when people could still gather in 2020, had over a thousand people. Um, and, you know, we exist to catalyze the health, happiness, and fullest potential of uh, every human. And uh, we do it by supporting the founders, innovators, and investors in connecting with one another to create the types of technologies that can support the... Uh, Did the Archon strike again? I think so. This continues. What shall we do? Especially, that's always very interesting parts. Interesting, and I was going to ask her. Oh, I have my questions here, so we'll have to wait till Nicole gets on it. Uh, sorry about that, viewers. Hopefully, she'll get on it. I mean, she is in San Francisco. You would think that better internet. <laughs> oh yeah, what are you going to do? Maybe it's uh, maybe Elon Musk is turning off things or something. <laughs> Bill Gates. So. Uh... Hi there. There you go. Are you back? Yeah, I'm really sorry. I uh, changed cameras and let's see if somehow that makes it better. Yeah, sometimes could be the internet. It could be the camera. 
maybe just going off without the camera. I think Scott, there you go. Um, so we can see you. Can you hear me? Yeah, no, yes. we, can, we can hear you fine. Okay, let's let's try that so we don't end up, you know, uh, going back and and forth. And this might actually work. Yeah, yeah, maybe it's sometimes the video just takes up so much bandwidth it collapses it, so it wouldn't be the first part. Yeah, uh, it wouldn't be the first time. So. Well, wonderful. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, congratulations on the anniversary of your group. Uh, and here's a, a question for you in your experience with um, video gaming and certainly things like World of Warcraft, where the human persona gets stretched out. My son played it for years. And also in technology, I've been, I've been, uh, have you, I watched this documentary recently. I can't get you out of my head. Uh, with Adam Curtis, and he's trying to find out about the authentic individual today. And is it possible that perhaps there is no authentic individual? We're just a whole bunch of uh, different personas and complexes. I know I'm getting very union. But what do you think, Nicole? Do you think there is an authentic persona or person, an authentic self? Or do you think it's something that sort of just gets... Uh, created as we go along and in this day and age with social media and technology just gets fragmented in different places what is your <laughs> views on this yeah yeah mm, well you know i mean a lot of to answer that question it's really about how meta do you want to go right i mean well <laughs> i mean moon dog has an onk so it's probably pretty meta. um <laughs> that's miguel's too we share that onk there that's the oh, you know, okay people. yeah 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 <laughs> Okay. Well, the other day I was on a on a, a podcast and someone asked me, you know, who is Nicole? And I had just finished um, reading Rumi. So mm -hmm. my answer was a soul observing a soul observing a soul. And <laughs> <laughs> but it was like a regular business tech podcast. So he was like, oh, wow. okay. And I was like, and also um, this as well. So you know, on, you know, on the sort of the meta level, you know, is there, uh, you know, we have a lot of, uh, we have a lot of personas, we have a lot of states, it depends on which system you're talking about, um, you know, for, for any of these, um, you know, how is it that we become, who do we become, um, you know, who are we really, is that we that we think we are? actually real um you know what are we beneath the identity what are we beneath the personas what are we beneath the labels when we get to the sort of the vast ocean awareness who are we then um and so there's that whole there's that whole area um as well just around you know consciousness my uh co-founder with transtech is the is um the person who has studied consciousness formally um have you have you interviewed jeffrey martin before no i have not oh you might find his work very very interesting it's basically um he has done a the probably the most comprehensive study on uh people who are experiencing um non-dual states and of and states of a variety of different 
uh, labels. There's like 200, 212 different um, terminologies that uh, the religions, philosophies around the world uh, use for, um, you know, the um, expanded states of consciousness, you know, enlightenment, awakening, right. non-duality, um, God consciousness, a variety of different things. And so he's actually studied those uh, people and identified four major locations mm-hmm. of mind um, or non-dual mind. Um, and it's a really fascinating stu- uh, research study. It's called the, um, and and the course that he developed and actually we developed together in the beginning on um, to help identify additional people um, and, and also to create uh, the conditions for people to make these shifts is called the finders course. And, uh, there's a book on Amazon called the finders, which describes all of the different states and locations. Um, but that's sort of like the deep academic side of, uh, consciousness, um, and, uh, fundamental being. And so the way that fundamental being and transformative technology fit together, um, is that, you know, like, you know, I, I came into all of this actually through meditation because of my experience in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, before I came back to the U.S., um, I also went and spent 33 days in Myanmar with the uh, Mahasi Sayadaw mm-hmm. uh, in the jungle meditating. And, um, you know, and so I was deeply interested in consciousness and mind and technology. Well, consciousness and mind. But then... Also, as I got into it, you know, I'm a middle-class kid or one of the labels that this sleeve has is a middle-class kid from Houston, Texas. And so I have a, a strong um, sort of aspiration around um, everyone having access to all of the good stuff uh, for them to decide for themselves what is for them. Um, and so uh, because of that, uh, you know, I leaned more towards technology for uh, to support people with stress, anxiety, depression, happiness, loneliness, connection, engagement, meaning, purpose, um, skills uh, to social and emotionally skilled people um, so that you could essentially raise the floor because the, you know, the, the, the rationale for why everyone can't have a Montessori education is resources. Um, But technology is the thing that, makes what's scarce abundant. And so, you know, if you can find all of these different tools and ways um, of advancing the human condition psychologically, um, then, you know, at some point uh, people reach the place where, you know, beyond self-actualization is uh, transcendence. Um, and, And many people don't know that there was actually another layer on Maslow's hierarchy um, of transcendence when you self-transcendence when you realize at the point that that self that you have actualized you no longer need um and so that's how fundamental well-being or you know what what you've sort of talked about or hinted at of a soul observing a soul observing a soul and who are we really that's how it actually fits to uh and aligns up against you know this really you know tech informed world where we're all trying to figure out, you know, what's up, what's down. 
Well said. Yeah, I was uh, reading some Plotinus today, and which what Rumi said, and Plotinus was basically we're news watching news, but at some point we reach that to touch the one, as you were talking about non-dual, there cannot be any self, there cannot be any e- eternity. It's a place that's beyond description. And I, but mm. he said, as human beings, we all have access to it at some point. It's not something that can be. Uh, crazy or uh we have to wait a few eternities to develop so i think you might have experienced something very similar to that in uh what part of houston where did you live i lived in the montrose when i lived there oh, okay. a great place if if you have a car <laughs> i grew up on the northwest side of town by antoine and 290 mm-hmm. i went to eisenhower mm-hmm. and then uh for college i went to the university of houston mm-hmm Awesome. Yeah, I went to University of St. Thomas. So Ah, okay. Good school. Excellent. I know exactly where that's at. <laughs> yeah, near Rice University. So uh awesome, awesome. And I think you make a good point because in one of your talks, Nicole, you actually said, uh, and don't quote me, I'm gonna get here as close as possible. You said the amount of mental health workers or professionals will is not going to match the amount of depressed people in other words we can't scale the human's ability to reach people who are suffering from depression right now or in the future i think uh Mm. uh yeah i think here it is um too few therapists and too many suffering from depression Depression alone will be the single largest disease burden by 2030. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the um, and actually someone just sent me an article that uh, Japan has established a minister of loneliness uh, because their suicide rate uh, has gone up to be the highest it's been since their last economic, um, you know, since their last economic issues. Um, and so sort of the net of it is, you know, um, you know, one of the things with technology that I'm a big believer in is how do we give the therapists that are there um, superpowers? Um, and so, you know, the ability to support more people, um, the ability and, and not in a factory kind of way. Um, you know, if you talk to any therapist, one of the things that they will tell you is the first several sessions um, the, uh, the person is trying to get them to like them. So it takes a while to get to what really happened. Um, and then additionally, one of the things that many people do not know when they're looking at, you know, the, the, the numbers is, um, the percentage of people who go to a, um, a first session and never go back again is really high. Um, and part of it is that they, they don't feel like, you know, they, they don't, uh, feel like the, like therapy will work for them. And, you know, a big uh, bunch of that has to do with, um, I think, um, chemistry and matching between the therapist and the person. Um, Because right now you get assigned to a therapist based on your zip code, on your plan, you know, and the first one you can get into. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be the person, you know, that will, you know, allow you or that the person that you'll have the kind of chemistry and trust with to actually get, you know, into to get support for the issue that you need to speak to them about. And so, you know, 
my theory of, you know, technology and these softer human issues is not absolutely not about replacing people. Um, and actually, you know, many of the products that have, um, you know, that have shown the greatest success are the ones where humans are absolutely in the loop. Humans are absolutely a part of the process, that human connection, whether it's with a human therapist or with a group or something like that. Um, and so it's really not about that. It's how do you use the technology to um, help pe ensure that people have access and are ready for the moment when they're with the human um, and help them with integration. Uh, because any sort of growth and development, you know, on the back end, uh, whether it's a powerful experience or a therapeutic experience, um, it's the meaning that you make of it afterwards and the integration that you do that allows it to be, you know, not just a revelation, uh, but, you know, an actual change. Love it. That makes perfect sense as, uh, well, as somebody who's been, had a lot of therapy in my career, yeah, the fact that if I could get, I can honestly look at my life and there was one or two therapists that I just immediately connected with. We just had the, it was perfect chemistry. She, he or she signed to me. I was able to speak to them. So the ability to get matched up as soon as possible definitely saves a lot of time and you can definitely grow even more. And for, you're talking about Japan, as I read, I think, uh, uh, suicides per month in Japan are more than the entire year of the pandemic of lives lost. And obviously you see depression, anxiety, addiction is probably only going to get uh, worse with the last year we've had. Yeah, it's um, I, you know, I think so. Um, but it's also, you know, the other thing that has happened during this time uh, during COVID has also been a big reset of people, you know, thinking about what really matters to them um, and what's important. And, and also what this time has done is, you know, there, I would say, I think it's a probably good, um, I think it's probably fair to say that there isn't anyone in the world who doesn't know someone or has personally experienced um, a bit of struggle over the last year. And so, you know, what used to be over there and someone else's problem is actually now all of our problems. We all, it's either us or someone we know has been challenged in the last year with all of the conditions. Yeah. And even as you also, uh, in one of your talks, you said, uh, uh, even let's just not take what happened in 2020. We take that off the table stress levels are shooting up and unpaid medical bills are the number one cause of personal bankruptcy. Yeah. And we could blame, there's plenty of people to blame about our healthcare, but technology can, can really help this, can it? Well, I mean, I think that, um, you know, what technology allows is it helps with, um, accessibility and affordability and discovery. So a good example would be with the um, meditation apps. Many of the meditation apps have really made meditation accessible. You know, if you can remember before the meditation apps, it actually was kind of hard and very expensive 
um, to do a meditation retreat. Because for example, you know, the bulk of the people of the world work and they work every single day. Mm -hmm. And so even if a retreat is free, that does not make it inexpensive because that person who is sitting is not working, you know, and, and most of the people of the world have to work at least five days a week, but almost every day. Um, and so what these apps have done, um, you know, whether or not they're the same, you know, I don't think it's the same as being with a teacher, of course, um, but it's made it a great deal more accessible. It's made it, you know, accessible to people who never thought uh, to do it, but who during the pandemic reached for it. Fitbit, um, you know, did a, a released a study where they saw a 3000% increase in meditation. Wow. Last year, or actually was in, that was in like a single month <laughs> because wow. people were like, I need something. <laughs> I, I need it. something, you know? And then that something is, is something that sticks with you. And, you know, meditation is quote unquote, a gateway drug for a lot of, you know, uh, growth and development and understanding of self and connection to others. Yeah. Well, God, headspace must be very happy. That's the one I've used. So uh, what do you think about it? That's okay. I mean, meditation, standard meditation is not for me. I have other ways of meditating. I do. How do you example, meditate? I, yeah, uh, let's, let's go back and forth. How do you meditate? Tell me I, I, I think everybody meditates one way or another. I'll do that. But I do walking meditation in the trails. Uh, I do biking. And I do yoga. I guess when I'm in yoga, I am meditating. So that's the problem is when you tell me meditating, I think of the man sitting on the mountain. But yes, those are my forms of meditation. But uh, And I do a lot of uh, dream work, uh, mm. automatic writing. So I, whenever I'm really in a bad place, I've done uh, self-hypnotism, which I feel is sort of the Western form of meditation, good apps for it. So... Uh, yeah, that's how I do it. And what about you, Moon Dog? Well, um, in the mornings, um, usually after I wake up, I, I meditate. Um, various thoughts cross my mind. I let them go. This one's going. This one's going. That one's going, and so forth. Just pretty much the standard thing, you know. Close your eyes. Be inactive. Um, also, walking. I go out and walking in my backyard. And I just try to keep the chatter in my mind from going in. I just try to relax and again get it's a special state, you know. Yeah, about, that's that's about uh, how I how I how I'd say it. Sometimes it even strikes me if I'm I'm at work, I telecommute, I'll be sitting there and um, I'll be thinking, I'll be lost in thought, and all of a sudden I'll slip into a meditative state, and then sometimes. A dream from previous night will come to me, and so then I know I'm I'm in that kind of <laughs> I'm in that kind of state. That's that's about it's a good description of what happens. Yeah, the um, I think um, you know, over the next decade, I think you're going to see dream work becoming uh, really advanced. Actually, there was a an article that just came out a couple of days ago, um, and it was on. Uh, basically people who are fully asleep being able to communicate to um, uh, the researchers in the sleep labs. They train that. them to do like different 
things with their eyes to answer questions. And so they were fully, from a physiological standpoint, asleep and communicating um, from a sleep state to people who were observing them. Um, and so I think that's that's really interesting. And I, you know, I uh, there's an interesting community in Europe where one of the things that they've done is they um, all day long they ask themselves the question, "Am I awake or am I asleep?" To build the habit of asking the question, um, so that when they go to sleep, at some point they'll ask themselves that question because it's sort of like you know that's what happens. Uh, your mind is sort of processing what happened during the day when you sleep. And so it sort of turns out that when you ask that stuff yourself the question, um, you can wake up because then, you know, you your mind says, well, I don't know, am I awake or am I asleep? And then you realize, oh, I am asleep. And then you can lucid dream. Uh, so that that's interesting. Um, but I think that, you know, we'll start to use our dreams more one of the things that I do um, is I often ask myself a question before I go to sleep. And the number of times when I wake up and you're in that sort of coming out of sleep hypnagogic state, mm -hmm. um, the answer, you know, will have come to me. It's like your mind works it out. Your brain works it out while you're asleep. That's awesome. Yeah. I think our mind has so much power and it has all the answers and it will work for us to find the answers often conspire with the universe to give us our answer. So, I mean, and when people ask you, how do you define meditation? What do you say? Mm. I mean, it's such a trope again of no thoughts, complete relaxation, but. Um... Mm. It's actually a very specific thing. Um, yeah. I'm very, uh, let's see. Um, Stan Groff. Uh, yeah, his breath work is amazing. Um, so meditation is a very specific thing. And there's a difference between things that are meditative and actual meditation. Um, and, you know, one is not necessarily better than the other. They're just different, sort of like apples are different than oranges. Right. Um, and um, though they're both sweet, right? Um, but, um, you know, meditation is the mind being taken you know, the mind being on an object, being taken away from the object or floating away from the object and the mind being brought back. And so whether that is um, a mantra based where the mind's brought to a sound, um, either one that you're making or, or um, you know, something that you're doing physically um, and then the mind drifting away and then you're bringing the mind back. So it's more like a curl. It's like if, if it's sort of like a, a mental bicep curl and it's the act of the mind moving away and then the mind being brought back. And a lot of times when people are meditating, um, when they have a lot of thoughts, they worry that that means they're not meditating. Right. But the, the act of meditation is actually the, you know, the mind moves away from the, from the object, you notice it. And then it's that act of pulling it back. That's where you, that's where you get the strength. If your mind was always just clear, then that isn't necessarily meditation or if your mind was always busy that's not meditation so it's like the top and the bottom of the bicep curl so it's like it's actually if you have thoughts and your mind is really busy and then you bring your mind back to the object that is actually where you build the muscle and then eventually 
um, the mind clears, but it clears from a place of strength, um, you know, and then you have to sort of like work back to, you know, my, my issue always was I applied my mind too heavily to the object. Um, and then when you do that, you dull the object. I basically meditated like I lived <laughs> hard, <laughs> awesome, hard yeah. and close to the object. <laughs> yeah. And as uh, some have said, uh, you, we cannot, as my, uh, when I was back in the day, when I was a Buddhist, uh, my teacher always said, mm. or the priest always said, look, uh, you will always have thoughts. You cannot be human and always, there will always be thoughts. I don't think you have to uh, be in this place without thoughts. That's impossible. So that helped out a lot. So Yeah. Awesome. And uh, uh, Vance, do you have a question or any, or any questions from the audience for Nicole? Yeah, there are a couple. Um, um, Stephanie wanted to know why have suicides gone up? And uh, Astrox Foundation wanted to know, with the suicides rates going up in Japan, are we going to see the same thing happen in the rest of the countries of the globe? Um, so it's a trend. It is a trend. Hmm. Let's see. Um, I actually was going to pull up the the article for you. Um, I mean, this was social isolation is, you know, one of the things that they were attributing it to. Right. Um, and, you know, I mean, I think that, you know, there was a, I guess it was maybe in June, um, the, the number in the United States, the number of young people who had considered suicide was like one in five seriously considered it. Um, you know, um, and so, uh, you know, so I, th I think it was sort of like, there were already, there was already a tremendous out, uh, you know, you could already see the, the data, um, showing these rises around the world. Uh, prior to the pandemic. And then the pandemic was definitely stressful for everyone. But then you also saw things like, um, you know, one of the things that I saw that was really amazing was the amount of, it was a study that looked at um, the amount of time that fathers had spent with children. Mm -hmm. And one of the way that they got to it is the question was like, you know, do you know your children's favorite color? And the real the, the reality is that you have to actually talk to your kids to know what their favorite colors are. Um, and so the amount of hours, because everyone's at home. So on one hand, you know, we did see an increase in domestic violence and some other things because everyone's sort of trapped at home. Um, but then on the other hand, you also saw, you know, these really deepening connections and um, because, you know, we were all at home. Um, and so, you know, the way that I think about it is I think that this time period um, has really sort of underscored um, what was broken. Like we already knew that um, the education system was broken. And, you know, during the pandemic, it really became clear. I had a friend, you know, the number of friends I have whose kids gym class is in front of the camera is kind of crazy, you know. And so it's like we already knew education was broken. We already knew that health care was broken, you know, because of the, yeah. the, the cost associated with it. Um, we already knew that it was unequal. Um, we already knew there was a wellness gap and a health care gap uh, and an education gap. Um, we already knew that the world was filled with stress. 
and anxiety. Um, and so it just made it really, really visible in a way that cannot be ignored. And so on the other side, the level of innovation that I see, you know, in education, healthcare, um, you know, and a variety of other things, it's really extraordinary. Um, you know, and people working together that, you know, never would have worked together before, um, you know, is really, you know, really, I think, making a big difference. Oh, I would agree. I think, as I keep saying on the show, 2020 was the big unveiling. Mm. I think, as you said, all these institutions that we kind of suspected were rotting, including our government sort of exposed themselves, but at least by exposing themselves, there is opportunity to do something about it. And and what are some ways uh, beyond, for example, some of the examples you give, meditation, healthcare workers, uh, what are some other ways that technology and health or mental health can, can help? I know there's one example in the talk, and I thought it was great. You said, there was a, either an app or some sort of technology that when you're in a meeting, it can tell what you're feeling. Uh, oh, I was like, uh, man, I would have gotten fired. No, like no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, in that, in that particular example, it might have been, um, you know, one of the areas of technology that we look at are uh, things that sort of uh, help people skill um, in order to um, be able to work together better. And so um, I think you might have been talking about the case where, um, you know, of, of <laughs> where someone who was always talking over other people in the meeting, in all of their meetings, and they would be given this feedback and never quite get it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, this woman wrote a, um, you know, uh, this woman wrote a, um, she wrote an app um, that did sort of voice recognition and, and they were all data scientists. So this, you know, this was sort of, um, the sea that they swim in and it actually sort of showed this person, um, that, you know, he did in fact talk over everyone. He was a really nice person, you know, but he did in fact talk over everyone. Um, and so that was a really learn, you know, that was a learning moment really for him because you know the thing that technology can do is it can actually like you know give us the feedback um that allows us to see you know there's a reason why food journals work um because you know we don't necessarily notice what we eat um i think there's a good there's a good question in the chat from joseph on isn't technology responsible um i would say you know one of the things that i really um encourage is that a lot of times we're talking about uh, the separation that we see in society due to, you know, technology. We're actually specifically talking about attention economy social network. It's a very specific type of technology because the fact that you were on this show and I can see Miguel and Moondog, uh, though, and everyone can hear me, uh, is because of technology. So this community with Asterox and Stephanie going back and forth and communicating with each other and Joseph popping in and sort of like the friendship that it's clear that you all have, like you, you know, you know, Asterox and Stephanie, the way you've talked about them, you see them regularly on your show. Who knows where they live without technology? This community would not exist. 
um, you know, you would do it locally, but you know, you know, Stephanie might not find her people, uh, but she can now because of technology. Um, my glasses, I, I have glasses on, you know, 3000, 4,000 years ago, this straight up magic, right? And so glasses, my glasses are technology, you know, our heaters are technology. Um, you know, as it's sort of like, um, yes, the power grid goes down, but it's a lot better than wood, you know, it's a lot better than bonfires, you know, and, uh, you know, and, and uh, agrarian society uh, for large numbers of people. Um, it works a little bit better when you have a smaller population, but I'm not a big fan of culling. So, um, you know, what we're living in is a world that requires technology. What's important is, are we making the stuff that we really need? And are we putting the, the constraints in place, um, you know, that, you know, it, you know, like moving away from attention economy, um, uh, attention economy uh, technology, which I think is what people, most of the time when you talk to anyone who says technology is the problem uh, and you ask them to say, okay, what brands, what are you talking about? Um, they mention attention economy products, or if they put up their phone and you say, okay, which apps, um, the apps are attention economy apps. What is attention economy? Uh, oh, know. sorry. Attention Ads. economy. <laughs> atten well, attention economy are is any business where your attention is what they trade in. So Facebook is an attention economy business. Uh, um, and data miners. That's what they, they want my attention so I can give them my data, my personal data. I mean, yeah, they're 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 the they're trading your attention for your data. And then they are either selling your data for ads or they're selling your data for something else. Uh, but the currency is your attention. That makes sense. Yeah. And as you stress at the end of the day, technology is neutral. It's what we do with it. I mean, if Prometheus brings the fire from the gods, he didn't say it's good or bad. He told the humans, you got to do what you got to do with it. So, uh, but of course it's hard. I mean, uh, Many of our listeners, for example, are uh, um, followers like me and Vance of Philip K. Dick and Cyberpunk. And as you know mm. from his books and his movies, either technology goes wrong or or the assholes take over technology and we get Blade Runner and Minority Report and all that good stuff. So, uh, and I think, and, <laughs> and that's actually part of the problem, too. You know, you know, one of the things is that, you know, art and science are very interconnected, mm -hmm. you know, and so there is a reason why um, the first um, flip phone looked like a Star Trek communicator, you know, and it's because people saw that. And so, you know, one of the, one of the, uh, it's definitely important for the arts, like the arts should criticize society. You know, they should do that. That's what it's for. It should be a mirror for ourselves. But it is also, um, you know, one of the art, one of the things that the arts also do is they help inspire our society. And so, you know, one of the things that, you know, I hope that the artists and the writers and, and other people begin to do is to write uh, stories where, you know, technology is actually for good. 
Because if we don't see it, we won't build it. And if we don't build it, then we do get Blade Runner, right? Um, so we have, but we have to see it so people can, can do it. And so, you know, think about if you think through your life, um, think about all the times that you saw something in media first, and then it showed up in the world. And so we also have to build these other things. So it's like, you know, it's like Black Mirror was great in its, um, you know, in its great. criticism, but I really would have loved uh, for them as such great writers and showrunners to have said, you know, 30% of our content is going to be, you know, people living well with technology and it really actually supporting them in a good way. Um, you know, just to, you know, you know, tell both sides because there's some, you know, there's some young computer scientist or some young, you know, digital designer uh, who would have watched that and have thought of something that they'd never thought of before. Yeah, that's well said. Uh, you don't see that much like the days of Isaac Asimov and Star Trek when it was all wonderful, but sometimes it is. I mean, you look at a movie like uh, Prometheus or The Last uh, Alien, and they have these pods where they can heal you immediately. That's a great idea. Or even we're talking about Minority Report. Yeah, we talk about the evil guy and trying to arrest the wrong people, but we forget about Tom Cruise and be able to get surgery for the eyes in a hotel room. So it's hmm. there. What do you think, Vance? Well, there's a, such a huge, loud voice of anti-technology progression these days. I think it's overwhelmed. It's always overwhelmed science fiction with, uh, you know, like Philip K. Dick. With, everything was a, a post-apocalyptic. <laughs> <laughs> scenario right yeah the matrix terminator all the big myths of the 20 yeah century. it's overwhelming yeah and i think because um uh, it looks to me like um i'm not sure this is true but it looks to me like humanity is afraid that they can't afford their own technology it's not a matter of whether it's good or bad. It's a matter of whether or not we can sustain it. You know, we've got the climate change and we've got the asteroids coming, all this other stuff, all these threats. And, you know, whether whether or not they're real or not, but how do we figure that out? Well, the average guy doesn't, uh, you know, sit around, has no knowledge directly of it. We watch the media, right? And then we come with what Nicole was saying with, with the uh, attention, you know, the attention industry where, um it is a far more effective thing to scare people into watching than to charm people into watching. You know, charm, oh, yeah, I can think of it really good. But if you scare, wait a minute, what's next? What's coming at me? You know, I have to know. I have to know. So um, it, it's, a, it's a complex thing. I love technology, as, as you know, but um, it, it's, it's not clear to me. Oh, you know what else? Another thought I had. Um, you can't discount drugs as another form of technology because they're manufactured, you know, it's a product of chemistry, which is, you know, not electronic technology, but older chemical technology. So you know how that went. That's, you know, there's some, a lot of good with the medical stuff, but then we have the costs and a lot of bad, you know, with uh, people getting addicted and so forth and so on. So those are my thoughts. What do you think, Nicole? Well, um, you know, I mean, I think that, I think one of the, the, and I'm a little bit probably controversial maybe for your audience on this, but, you know, um, I think the real, I think one of the real problems is actually that 
um, it isn't necessarily that technology is bad, is that it's not nearly good enough. You know, like flat screens suck. You know, um, there's, you know, the us all sitting in front of our Zoom cameras, that sucks. <laughs> you know, like the kind of technology I'm interested yeah. in, you know, it's like when people talk about augmented reality, the limits of the imagination tends to be, you know, Facebook on your face or Siri on your face, which I think <laughs> sounds terrible. What I really want is I want to be able to walk through a forest and hear the mycelial network. I want to go to a concert and have on a sound shirt, uh, which actually sound shirts, you can buy them right now. And I want to feel a hundred thousand human hearts on my skin while I'm listening to Beyonce or whomever. Like, that's what I want. I want the technology that allows us to be really deeply connected and to experience things that, you know, we can't experience, um, you know, on our own. And there you have it, my beloved true seekers. The first part of our AB Live with Nicole Bradford. Birdie num num content we all need right now until we figure out why men have nipples. Including the audio version, this is a cool listen if you leverage a private RSS feed from AB Prime or Patreon that works in the podcast provider of your choice. And yes, you can just get the full interview on YouTube or Facebook even. But more and more listeners tell me they're leaving those domains. And just as many of you tell me you only like streaming or downloading audio shows. The internet is just getting more fragmented. And many of you just want your content away from all the digital bullshit. So please become an AB Prime member patron at Patreon for the full interview and to support this Red Pill Cafeteria. Go to thegodabovegod.com for means to assist and get the infernal rewards. Or just contact me. Whether it's Patreon or AB Prime, it will cost you about a buck per episode. And that's a deal of many lifetimes. The alternative spirituality and philosophy of the Gnostics is more important than ever. Might be the only way to counteract the nutsack grip Yaldibaldi has placed on the collective consciousness of humanity. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being yourself, your true self, here in the desert of the real. Hello and goodbye. As always. Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. 
With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.